everybody. Welcome to the club, the book club. Beyond the first page of book club, this is Phoebe. And I'm Phil. And today we're talking about The Rosie Project by Graham Simpson. And uh, I'm very excited. Thank you. (laughs) Starting off strong, hopefully we have good audio and we named the author's name correctly. So things can only go down from here. (laughs) Right. If anything seems like we planned it, it's because we already recorded this podcast, but it was horrible. So I think the beautiful uh, thing about this book is there was so many things we didn't get to talk about. There were so many. Yeah, they were good. So, let's um, just, let's not rinse and repeat. Let's just completely forget about the other one and have a completely different podcast. Yeah, because only just we know about, about it. So. Only we know. Um, okay really quickly before we get started i just wanted to remind everybody uh you can find the full book list for the year in the comments below this video Uh, please like this video and subscribe to our youtube channel like us on instagram follow us on instagram and you can find us wherever you find your podcasts either apple or spotify or some other random ones i mean funnily enough phil and i don't listen to podcasts so i'm very unfamiliar where all people listen to podcasts. <laughs> We're too busy listening to books. Super but... hypocritical. <laughs> it's like, we actually don't want to listen to people, but you should probably listen to us. <laughs> hey, yeah, so we added something this week, uh, and I think Phil's going to share a fun fact, and I actually fact-check you, Phil, because sometimes you like to say things that aren't true. Not necessarily your last Classic, classic calling me out. Okay, the fun fact of the week is the it's from uh, a book called The Invisible Women, Data Bias in a World Designed for Men. And it's all about basically how studies um, and just like random things in the world are sort of designed for men. And because of that, women are at a disadvantage. And so take uh, one example is the temperature in like an office is much actually colder than it's supposed to be because the ideal office temperature was set in an office where only men worked. And the one dealing with this book though, is that a lot of sort of um, disorders are misdiagnosed in women um, and overdiagnosed and not overdiagnosed, but predominantly diagnosed in men because the disorder manifests itself differently. So an example would be like ADHD is usually uh, boys are much more um, sort of erratic and physically uh, really just outgoing. Um, whereas women with ADHD are actually at, like everything comes in on themselves and their mind is just racing but they're usually very contained and quiet and autism uh and asperger's are are both sort of like that where there's probably a higher predominance of women that have asperger's or autism but likely the people that you know with uh the asperger's or autism disorder are uh men because it's just misdiagnosed in women so phoebe i think fact checked me on this uh from last podcast so what's the what's the result was i bsing you're you're completely correct i looked up i wanted to know the exact number i actually really wanted to know total adults that go undiagnosed but i wasn't i was not able to find that that fact but i did find that 80 percent of women 
are misdiagnosed on the first diagnosis of of a different condition or um, disorder. So they may be diagnosed with bipolar or something else other than um, autism. And uh, I will link this study in the comments as well. I just wanted to make sure that we weren't just spewing random nonsense, nonsense hoisting our own petards. I was to figure that. <laughs> Um, cool. Yeah. So let's get into the book in 60 seconds. <laughs> the book in 60 seconds. Uh, this is a heartwarming story about a man who is undiagnosed on the autism spectrum, who's looking for a wife, but inadvertently gets involved helping a woman, Rosie, with finding her biological father. And I, I know we already mentioned this, but uh, for the people who obviously didn't get to hear this first round of the podcast, I would describe this book as heartwarming and hilarious. It was and I'd be laughing and thinking about how different people see the world from start to finish. It was just absolutely fabulous. And why did you pick yeah. this book, Phil? So it was uh, Bill Gates had recommended it. And I think then it got like pretty good reviews on Goodreads. And I do think comedy in books is something that like really goes under the radar a lot of times. Um, and it really like is makes a book next level, I think, um, where like, if you can laugh out loud, so like TV shows, like I rarely laugh out loud, but if you can laugh out loud reading a book to yourself, that's like pretty good. I don't know um, that I've ever so laughed out loud. I was going to say, I don't know if I've ever laughed out loud at a book except this book. I mean, seriously, like the opening yeah. scene, I was laughing out loud walking around camp yeah. like ACSB. <laughs> so I rated this book a three. And I listened to it in one day. It was absolutely fabulous. Like I said, I just thoroughly enjoyed it and could not stop reading it and laughing the way through. Yeah. I also rated it a three. And I, um, yeah, I thought it was very funny. And I thought it was really, um, I guess it was, yeah, just different. It wasn't the same jokes every time. Um, and there was just like a ton of just really funny um it was both like funny in what he said and funny in like the situations where uh so my yeah the part that I like really was dying at that wasn't like a, it took me like a couple minutes to realize how funny it was was when he was with the skeleton in the room and just like practicing sex positions on the skeleton and just the dean walks in on him and he's like practicing on a skeleton and the funniest part about it that you don't even really realize is because it like it all happens in like in 30 seconds right like, and it's, it's he just his day he he doesn't even his day he's like, this is completely fine <laughs> he just says yeah so the dean walks in and i take the skeleton and i put it away and ask the dean what she's and it's just like what <laughs> like you're not mortified and she's with the like chief funder of the department trying to solicit like funding and he's just yeah just practicing on a skeleton and he has the whole book so it's probably not like some regular sex position too it's he has a whole book of intricate sex positions that he's practicing for so yeah i think just really Saying that it was like girl on top or whatever, or oh no, it was yeah, it, no, it was reverse cowgirl. 
So he's just like, yeah, whip it. Oh, gosh. That's, yeah, it's the level of weird of just, like, there's something, like, practicing with the skeleton, and then there's, like, practicing reverse cowgirl with the skeleton. Well, and I I love the part, the opening scene hooked me, where that, by the end of it, he had all these young 12-year-old boys yelling, Aspie's wool, Aspie's wool. Or, like, when he, you know, came in and said, I obviously... I'm hoping that everyone in the crowd has a working understanding of organic chem- chemistry as if. <laughs> no, not like I was hoping he's, I, I wrote this with the expectation that everybody had a working knowledge of organic chemistry. And it's a talk for moms and their 13 year old boys. Oh, it's so funny. But. Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, I, the other thing I loved was the BMI and going back to that scene where he was talking about the, I, I think you had it written down, Phil, where it was like so funny that he was like, I quickly corrected myself. He overweight. Yeah, me. no, so it was, he notes everyone in their BMI. So that was one of my quotes. And I, that was the other funny thing. He knew that, and this is probably something that like with people with, autism disorder or Asperger's struggle with where they know that they're doing something wrong or but they don't know what quite it is and he goes through this a couple of times in the book where he's just saying that they were visibly uncomfortable and I knew that I did something but I don't know what it is and so sometimes when he tries to correct for it he thinks he corrected and really he did not and the quote is a woman at the rear of the room raised her hand. I was focused on the argument and made a minor social error, which I quickly corrected. The fat woman, overweight woman at the back, and where he corrects for overweight, because he knows like fat is a taboo word, but he just misses the point of why fat is taboo. Yeah. So, and I, uh, I mean, you and I talked about this, and you brought up a really interesting point, which I wanted to make sure we talked about, that it becomes this idea of, you, I love the way you put it where you could have said, he could have said in his mind, the like fat or overweight right. interchangeable with brown haired woman in the back or some other descriptor word that you would use that only we as, as in society have tagged that with a negative connotation. And that's very right. interesting to think about. And that's not something at all that I picked up on where that's just a fact to him. It's not good or bad. You know, right. And I was I mean, saying that his uh, one of his best friends where, well, he says this is unhealthy or, or something, because when he talks right. about genes running, he says it's unhealthy. But that's just, again, sort of a scientific fact. Um, and I think that when he uh, he introduces himself to Dave at the Yankees game where he says this was Dave or, or this man next to me. 40 BMI, also known as morbidly obese. And then it's just like, but Dave is one of his best friends. And so he, uh, no, we're, well, he <laughs> he does say, I, cer- I certainly realized why Dave might be morbidly obese as he had four hot dogs during the game. <laughs> but I also love that entire, well, first of all, just hilarious that he calls out everyone's BMI. I thought that was so funny. Right. Yeah. I love that in America, he really he loved being in America and you could see him really open up. I mean, I think it was partially that him and Rosie took this trip together and he was excited and 
everything was new and he was on his best behavior with her. But I also think that he, it was cool to see, he said, Americans just say what they mean. And I fit in a lot better because of that. And even talking with the chef at the dinner that they went to, um, or even the guy, he was like the weird guy with the hair. I forget what he used to describe him, but. Oh, just, no. Uh, I mean, yeah, they, like just the New Yorker that was just like equally. Right. And he felt very comfortable with this guy. Right, right. Yeah, which I love. And very cool at the end of the book, they moved to New York. I mean, I think that the ending was extremely satisfying in the way it tied up with the boat, you know? Right. Yeah, no, I feel the same thing. And I think that um, basically that that's a point that I was making before where it's interesting to see what you react to as rude and versus what somebody else just says as a fact. And I said to you a lot during this book, the the show Atypical, um, that I just thought was so funny. And it was the same same type of um, show where it, it's a little bit more family-oriented because he's a senior in high school. Um, but it's very similar to where he says something and the, everyone is reacting except the people that like know him. But for him, he's not a rude person. Like he's very caring. He tries to think about other people. And I think that Don was very much the same way. Um, it's not that he was definitely not empathetic, uh, but he was not just like rude. Like he wasn't an uncaring person at right. all. Um, and it's interesting to sort of, see that conflict where he did care even Claudia and Jean. Claudia is like his um probably his best friend in the entire book and he just like the first thing we know about Claudia is that she has too sweet of breakfasts uh because the granola the uh yogurt <laughs> oh yeah uh, which is gained weight and that's probably why and he tells her right away <laughs> right Funny, didn't I? <laughs> yogurt has this much sugar in it. Yeah, very funny. Um, I think that's interesting. We were talking about this too right before we started recording about Graham Simpson and his kind of motive for writing this book. So I I did a little research, just very preliminary, and I couldn't find any relation of his or you know deep personal experience of him interacting with someone with autism or Asperger's. So I thought it was very unique and bold to, of him to write this book from, I mean, not having that experience or being a scientist or I think actually he was a computer scientist, but I mean, that's unrelated to psychology. Yeah, no. And I actually, so I did a little bit more digging on that too, because one of the things that I had said uh, before is that he got a lot of flack with the Rosie project and actually it he got way more flack with the last two. It's a series, so there's three books. Um, right. He got a lot of flack with the last book, and it might relate to our sort of fun facts because I think he tried to write about women with autism, um, and he characterized them very similarly to men with autism, uh. whereas that it does manifest itself differently and a lot of people who are very well versed in sort of this spectral disorders were like this is pretty wrong and because like you didn't put in the time like this is sort of uh 
yeah, lazy and offensive a little bit. So I, yeah, I definitely think it's bold um, for him to, but I, I don't think that was what the feedback that he got on his first book as much. I do think that most of the people who read it were very, um, like they realized, and I think the whole point of the book is basically that Rosie, like love is for everybody and love is not your sort of characterization of love. Um, I thought it was cool how he arrived at love with this idea that just like, I don't, I didn't feel love when I was watching Harry Met Sally. Like I wasn't like this should, they gotta end up together, you know? Right. And I think a lot of people when they watch rom-coms are like tied to the characters. And he's like, I wasn't. I felt love because I thought of my life without Rosie and I was like, that would be awful. And I thought that, that there is something sort of beautiful about that where it's this love at first sight is not for everybody. And it doesn't really matter how you arrive at the point where somebody is your life partner. But if you get there logically or you get there completely irrationally, it's sort of the same thing. Um, and I thought yeah. that was pretty beautiful. So. I mean, I think I'm, I wonder what you think about this. I think that I don't, I feel like him almost where I get very little enjoyment out of, I mean, I get enjoyment. I'm, I am entertained by rom-coms, but as I've gotten older, that's not bringing me joy either. Like I'm not feeling that kind of crazy love. You, you like don't realize that that love is not real love. That's not everyday love. And I think that's exactly what he was experiencing where I'm not feeling this crazy fly to Seattle and meet you on the Eiffel Tower type of love. I think that's safe in Seattle, but whatever. <laughs> but it's a more of a, I don't want to live without you because I enjoy you. and I Fly to Seattle and see you on the Eiffel Tower. You're a little confused. Where everything is. I mean, it would be incredible. Like if you could do that. I meant fly to New York and go to the Empire State Building. <laughs> like, no. Oh, for two, homie. Oh, for two. Well, I'm glad you were just radically inconsistent <laughs> on that one. Um, that's so Radically <laughs> Wait, Actually, speaking of radically, I really liked your comment to the, you didn't talk about this radical acceptance. Yeah, radical acceptance. I thought that that was very cool. Um, and I guess um, what one it? thing that I didn't talk So radical acceptance is usually where you are radically accepting of yourself. And it's some people who have uh, like low confidence. That's sort of a teaching of like, radical acceptance. Of, okay. Um, and a, just like a lot of things are genes, right? Like a lot of things are you are how you are um and you can either try to fight this your entire life or you can accept it and i think that that's something that he sort of dealt with with rosie and it's it's a balance though right so i think that something that i've uh like contemplated a lot um and everyone should if they're trying to like sort of personal growth like how much is radical acceptance versus like how much are you just being an asshole um like you can't just radically accept everything about yourself and then just like <laughs> it's you everyone else <laughs> like yeah i am radically correct um and he, it's that's the balance that he tries to find for rosie and i think that uh sh he does change parts of himself 
and he goes too far. Uh, Rosie's just like, I don't like I I love you, Don. Uh, and I was worried about these things for sure. Like I was worried about eating lobster every Tuesday, but <laughs> I love that part of you. Um, and I also think Rosie, just going a little off the cuff here, Rosie has her own like ridiculous things where like only fresh caught seafood or like only fresh raised seafood or something where yeah. I think that like just ridiculousness to Don, it's funny that he's like, this is such a ridiculous way to act. Right. But then it's like, that's all of his things that he Right, yeah. Yeah, like, he's, like, being a vegetarian is ridiculous, but also, like, I'm going to ask you a series of 12 questions, and if you don't answer all of them right, we can just talk about something else. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought, too. You know, like, if someone maybe in high school or college had come to me and said, fill out this questionnaire, and then we'll see. I, I, not in dating, just, like, in life, I would have been like, yeah. this guy. But as I get older, I'm kind of like, I think I would gravitate toward this person. Just name a lot of time with this one. Also, like, what's this guy about? Like, he seems very interesting and different than the norm. True, <laughs> true. Like, just respecting the boldness of life. That's right. so funny. Like, knowing um, what you like and don't like. Great thing. Yeah. What's well, funny, because I think that, like, there's there is something to that that is what modern dating is it just takes the you're an asshole out of it by having the app do it uh (laughs) so i think that that is sort of interesting um yeah so so i think um, if you like this book we can talk about that if you like this book you would like i had two recommendations i think phil also recommended a man called or you thought about that as well by frederick yeah i did uh, that's a new movie that just came out with Tom Hanks. I haven't seen it, but the book was great. Uh, and he doesn't have any kind of um, social um, diagnosis, but I think he just has withdrawn from society, probably depression for sure. Uh, and it's just, it's also very heartwarming and great story. And then The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime by Mark Haddon. That's about a young boy with autism. And it's, that is a great book. I absolutely loved it. It's, it's probably YA and it is just a great, especially if you're trying to get back into reading, I would highly recommend that or this book too, if you're trying to get back into reading. Yeah, I think um, my two picks were one of them you're currently reading, which is the Demon Copperhead. Um, that's really, oh, nice. How'd you like it? Oh, I, I absolutely loved it. I recommended it to like three people. Honestly, probably one of the best. When that's yeah, and we did read. That's why I recommended that um, that unsheltered or whatever we read before. Yeah, because it's the same woman. I was like anything. Would Um, not recommend unsheltered by the way. Um, I think that this one, so anyway, back to this book, I think, I don't think it's anything like this and, um, there are a couple funny parts, but, um, a different theme, but I do think it's sort of, you're engrossing yourself in a narrator that's not unreliable, but just like completely thinks about the world in a different way, probably very foreign to, to your sort of, uh, seeing the world. So I think that she does that equally as well as as he does uh if not better and then my second one at uh in demon copperhead right 
My second rec is just sort of the funny narrator. Um, I, I do think Rick Riordan does it really well with uh, the Percy Jackson series um, and sort of all the offshoots of that book. And I think it's interesting, too, because the demigods do have uh, usually have some type of uh, mental disorder, whether it be ADHD or dyslexia or something that they s struggle with. And I mean, they're pretty badass because they're the children of God. So, I mean, it's it's like a celebrating them, not like a, uh, which I think this book does as well. Um, but I, I do think Rick Riordan does a really good job of s sort of making a humorous narrator um, that sort of thinks about the world differently. So, yeah. yeah, those are my my two wrecks. Um, I do yeah. think Man Called Oves is the best one, uh, most yeah. similar, at least. Great wrecks. Yeah, I like I said, yeah. I just so, Copperhead, and now I'm starting on My Sister's Keeper by Jodi Picoult, which is actually our next book club book, which will be released on February 12th. And that one is depressing, so buckle up. I also am very excited to discuss with siblings about this book because it is such a... I mean, it's like, would I give my liver to you? You know? Oh, interesting. That, oh, you haven't started reading um, it yet. Basically, the... I, no, but I do think... Well, let's not go into it. But I think that's very interesting. Because <laughs> I do think out of all... Because I wouldn't give you my liver. Yeah, like, I, well, I'm just saying, if we're going to, like, rank our livers right now, I definitely have the best liver. Isaac's liver, garbage. Just absolutely like I wouldn't even want Isaac's liver. Like I'd play I'd play random lotto with somebody with my same blood type rather than Isaac's liver. No, I think that he it's all about like the time in between drinking that filters that like helps your liver filter. So actually I think like mm. Isaac on the daily doesn't drink. No, true. Yeah, but He's definitely got some type of cirrhosis going on. Oh my god! <laughs> so no, I'm just teasing. Well, let's um, let's use that to introduce our big news, which yeah. we are uh, bringing Isaac into the podcast. Yeah. So, like um, Bill said, we're bringing Isaac onto the podcast. Uh, we're very excited about this. Uh, we used to do a lunchtime special when we were kids called Lunches for Losers. So we'll talk more about that next week. But it was the OG podcast. And uh, we're very excited to have Isaac on. Hopefully he'll provide even more hilarious insights into all the books that we're reading. And he'll be a great person, to again, to talk about this with because it's a group of three siblings. So we will have a lot to talk about for sure. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm excited. My, I'm reading um, a book I just started. Actually, got released in 2023 about um, housing policy, um, which is interesting um, and why it's so overpriced. And then that's I'm also reading a fictional book by Robin Hobb, who is a legend of uh, fantasy and and high fantasy, especially so. Um, it's called uh, The Shaman's Crossing, which is not... She wrote, like, two very popular series worlds. This is, uh, I think, maybe her third or fourth. So it's really good, though. Um, yeah. But, yeah. So you're, you're reading a lot of nonfiction books, or you always do that? You always read... I always read... 
one nonfiction and one fiction at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Wow. Cause I usually, well, I usually go to, um, the gym in the morning and then I'll read, uh, until work supposed to, so until like eight 30, I'll read my fiction book and then I'll switch to my nonfiction and then call it ah. work until like 30. Wait, so do you listen while you work? Yeah. No, not while I work. No, while I work out. Um, but it's it is for like like I wouldn't be reading these books unless it was for work. Like I oh. only listen to nonfiction books that are applicable to work. Yeah. Which actually gives me a really good breath um for work. So I would recommend that to anybody. Um because sometimes I do listen to podcasts too that are like applicable to the economy. Um, right. A couple of my the couple of very curated ones. Um I can't just listen to people conversing like we're doing now but um yeah so that's yeah cool all right like i said we're reading my sister's keeper for next week isaac will be on which we're very excited about and thank you all for listening we will talk to you next time yeah all right bye bye and i wanna read 500